Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlock, and this is confession number 61. Today, we're going to look at self-management skills for the early years in pre-K and K. And we're going to look at um, how do we support our learners to become more self-sufficient and self-reliant. I believe self-management is one of the hardest ATLs to teach in the PYP. That's a very bold statement, but it's at the root of who you are as a learner, similar to ownership and agency. There are things you can do to support self-management development, some practices you can put into place, but it requires the learner to do most of the heavy lifting. And as you enter any early years classroom on the first day of school, you see a lot. You see a lot of curiosity, a lot of children talking, but they're also bonding and forming a community. But you also see learners who are struggling with how to self-manage their social skills so that all voices are heard. They all want to talk over each other. And it can sometimes be overwhelming to a new teacher. Yet there's some satisfaction in knowing that you're laying the groundwork of these self-management skills that are going to help learners to carry it through and also channel their enthusiasm and curiosity to achieve tasks and overcome obstacles within themselves. And so self-management requires young learners to look deep within their own beliefs about themselves, about the world around them, about others. And actions determine why and how they do certain things to own their mistakes so that they can take some corrective measures. In this episode, we're going to examine how self-management provides freedom to take risks and make some mistakes along the way in order to become more well-rounded learners. Usually, at this point, I'll discuss some of the things that teachers can do to support and model strategies so that learners can demonstrate self-management skills. But as last time, we're going to infuse these into as part of the tasks that we do in order to help us to dig deeper into that subskill and those subskill criteria. So the self-management subskills that we're that we're going to look at will help learners know how to appropriately interact with each other. Notice it goes hand in hand with social skills. Now, these self-management skills are div- divided into two criteria. And there's organization and state of states of mind. When I'm looking at these sub skills, I'm actually really, I'll be honest, I'm torn. What is practical and what's my heart saying that I want to talk about? But I believe that organization really is at the heart of early years and the learning that happens in the classroom. It drives what learners can do and determines their level of independence. Meanwhile, they also have to be resilient to constant changes within their environment as they navigate, you know, all of these interactions with each other. So my head is telling me to focus on organization, and I'm sure my heart will follow along somewhere along this way. But I'm going to follow the protocol, like I said, to help us to make connections 
um, to the bigger ideas. So when we're looking at organization, thinking about earlier learners, organization is the heart of everything we do. We're setting up our systems in our classroom so that the learners can know how to maintain and organize themselves. This is a huge year-long effort. It's not going to be something that you can do right away. It, you know, organize bins and materials. That's one thing. But it's also about teaching learners about these organizational practices and getting them to buy into understanding how do we maintain them so that it's for the better of the community. It's certainly not an easy feat, but you can definitely tell the difference in learners and also how classrooms function when organization is established. So let's take a look at that first sub-skill criteria, which is choose and complete tasks independently. So the first way to show organization is by supporting our learning in choosing and completing tasks independently. The first thing that comes to my mind is the Reggio Emilia classroom. I'm obsessed. Ever since I really worked with early years classrooms, I cannot get enough of the Reggio approach. If you've not seen their classroom set up, look for some images on Google or join the Facebook group. Their classrooms are specifically designed so learners can choose materials and complete tasks independently. That's their goal. They utilize a lot of natural resources, a lot of uh, utilize the outside classroom in order to make learning come alive. So what can teachers do to help learners choose and complete tasks independently? Well, one way is ensure sufficient time for uninterrupted play. Our role is to support the learners in becoming self-sufficient young people. To do this, we can reinforce organizational skills by allowing learners uninterrupted time to play, know how to deconstruct and reconstruct materials, how to organize their learning space, and clean up after themselves. They learn at a faster rate when they're given the autonomy to explore these concepts on their own and with their peers. That's the purpose of play. So something else in regards to helping learners be able to choose and complete tasks independently, what we can do as educators is continually reflect on how they're support how we are supporting learner agency and also having learners constantly reflect on their participation of moving themselves forward. Agency is at the heart of getting learners to take ownership of their experiences and responsibilities. By decreasing these opportunities, learners greatly struggle. So we must do the opposite. We need to increase the opportunities for learners to demonstrate agency because this will increase student motivation and will also make your life a lot easier. When thinking of organizational skills, learners need agency and time to make mistakes in a safe place. By facing obstacles on a daily basis, they're able to learn the best way to operate for themselves in a shared learning space. This is huge within an early years classroom. So thinking about what we just talked about, 
choosing and complete tasks independently. How will you get your learners to do this? So another way that we can um, show organizational skills is follow the directions of others. It is recognizing that teachers and other adults in the community want learners to succeed. So they provide certain directions to achieve tasks. And when these directions are followed, learners can complete tasks quicker and in a more organized fashion. So what can we do to help these learners to be able to follow directions better and easier? Oftentimes, our learners want to follow directions, but they don't know how or don't see the added value, right? And by providing practice through dramatic play and some games, the concepts for our youngest learners are easier to understand and apply to their everyday learning situations. It's also a great team building activity and it reduces the risk of learners feeling isolated by the teacher while learning to follow directions. So what's another possibility of what we can do to support our learners to take more ownership of following directions? Well, we can create an atmosphere where learning is viewed as a process of gradual improvement. Our learners need to be told and retold a gazillion times how to follow directions before they're able to replicate the process on their own. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, please, after you come out of the bathroom, please wash your hands, right? And it's easy to get frustrated by the lack of regular or sustained progress. We think we're not being effective. We don't think the students are progressing as well as they should. But what we need to remember is that we're looking for gradual improvement over time rather than a fixed ending point. Because many of the things that you are laying down in early years is going to set the stage for the rest of their learning life. That's huge. And it's not going to end with you. It's going to continuously evolve afterwards. So how can we also um, help with this? Well, it's just about giving up that control, my friends. It's about letting go and allowing the learners to show also what they know, right? It's about giving up the frustration. And that's easier said than done. But it's about giving up the frustration. So another way that we can get the frustration to leave us and be organized is by getting our learners to follow classroom routines. Because there's one thing to follow directions, but it's another to take on the directions and become routines. Routines are the hallmark, the anchor to an early year's classroom. We need our learners to demonstrate organization by following these classroom routines. At this tender age, they are hungry to learn and to grow, but they need certain parameters in which to operate. This is the reason routines are so important. So how can we support organization through routines? Well, we can do it by supporting children with transitions, by sharing a visual timetable, by counting down reminders. What does that even mean? 
While it's easier for learners to follow classroom routines, when we provide them some sort of visual to and prepare them for those transitions that are going to necessarily come up in our day. So visual schedule can help learners with countdown reminders. So we have the schedule somewhere in the room. We put countdown reminders of minutes so that they know that certain tasks need to be completed by the time deadline. It reduces the frustration of trying to beat the clock. It puts the ownership onto the learners to complete tasks and also provides them with that buffer that they then can make choices in order to be able to complete the tests in the designated time. For those kiddos that need extra time, well, we allow for that, right? Because we're differentiating according to learning needs. But the visual schedule will also help them because it'll keep them on track. And those kiddos that are still struggling and need two to three more minutes, they've been going through that same process of building up independence. This will help them to manage their time more effectively in order to follow classroom rules and routines. So something else that we can do while completing classroom routines is, you know, helping our learners to not get sidetracked. You know what I mean. You give them a task to do. And all of a sudden, they're sidetracked by the thoughts and actions of others, right? By their thoughts, by thoughts of others, and then actions of others. And by using routines, we're trying to get them to increase their working memory and focus. At times, they're going to get off task. They're kids. So how do we redirect? Hello, I can't say that word. How can we um, redirect them in a positive way? to follow the classroom routine. Those discrete reminders, whether it be post-its on the desk, whether it be stickers on a chart, whatever it might be to get your students to come back on task while you're circulating the room, that's what's going to keep them going. We're trying to get learners to work independently, utilize less in you know, extrinsic rewards, and also work in small groups. A big part of this process, though, is supporting the learner's understanding of how to manage their emotions while making choices. We all make mistakes, and we can redirect ourselves back onto course. It doesn't have to be the end of our day. And as you know, there are times when our learners cannot handle (laughs) certain setbacks. And so how do we put in certain routines that are going to help them with that process? Now, the last sub-skill criteria for organization is sharing the responsibility for decision-making. How are we getting children to share that responsibility for decisions made in our classrooms? To be honest, I think this is one of the hardest for many educators. We love to control everything. You know it's true. You know it's true. You probably have this podcast controlled, right? At certain times that you can listen to it. But that's okay because, you know, we're under a lot of pressure as educators of demands from systems outside of our classroom. 
So how do we manage this process effectively so learners understand their role in maintaining, you know, organization of themselves and that learning space? So here's some couple possibilities. One thing that we could do is provide opportunities to meet as members of a learning group. Whether that means that um, we're doing it as a whole group or within small groups. This allows for learners to share the decision-making process. You know, I prefer a small group setting because it will, the more they practice in a small group setting, the greater chance that it will be applied into a whole group setting because they're establishing dispositions of how you work within a group. By meeting within a group, learners engage with each other. They raise questions test ideas, and form a lasting foundation of conclusions. But more importantly, they're working together to get things done, to possibly organize their learning space, to think about people outside of themselves and how that process impacts others. So what's another way we can do this? Well, we can involve students in the planning and organizing of our learning space. And that includes cleaning up. Sounds easy, right? Many educators struggle with what this may look like and the process of making it happen. Remind learners that it's not always about the fun times, right? Because if we only focus on them utilizing materials when it's fun, when it comes to getting them to understand responsibility it's going to be a lot harder. Everyone has a shared responsibility in keeping the classroom clean and organized. This will often take place in the form of cleaning up materials that someone else used. So the classroom benefits. Nothing hurts the ears more than this. Why do I have to clean it up? I didn't play with it. You've heard it one too many times. I know you have. But... This type of conversation will reduce over time as we're planning and organizing our learning spaces and getting our learners involved in the process so they take more ownership of the maintenance of the classroom space. This reminds me of a video that I saw that went viral about six months ago about children, you know, in Japan, how they're taught from a very early age how to clean up, and they don't have um, custodial staff. The students end up cleaning their own room and maintaining it. And I think that that's a powerful um, thought, but it also attributes to planned processes. How are we getting learners who are quite young to take responsibilities that we don't often think that they can handle, but they can? Well, that's it for now, my friends. I'm going to try to apply these ideas to the upper grades and to the specialist teachers. Thank you again for joining another episode, and we'll chat with you soon.